Get to Old Navy now because this week only there's a new red hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in store. So hurry in and get today's wow worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in store only. One time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Think It Ain't Illegal Yet. I'm your host, St. Clinton. On this show, we'll be playing some poetry, spoken words. And other things about political and social issues going on around the world, both past, present, and future, which will hopefully make you think. Yeah. 
man's unholy desire, a chivalric code to right their nation's wrong, knights of valor who remained ever strong. Their armor glimmered with polished shine, lance and sword so sharp and fine, crest of a great nation on their shield, reminders of their quest, a land to heal. Their names are etched in the minds of man, heroes who dedicated themselves to a selfless plan. John, Bobby, and Martin Luther by name, their selfless quest earned them great fame. A nation torn by hunger, hate, and greed, the poor and weak had such urgent need. Racial division tore through the land, nuclear fear that mankind would not stand. A bellicose beat sounded across the world, nations postured with flags of state unfurled, menacing missiles aimed at their neighbor's door, armies marched to near and distant shores. A hungry dragon prowled the land, feasting on ignorance in the minds of man. Discrimination and segregation religiously ruled in cities and towns so governed by fools. Marches and protests to lessen their plight, men of good conscience never gave up the fight. Equal justice for all, racial tolerance too, a way of thinking that for many was all too new. Revolution of thought and soul, music's evolution brought a new role. Lyrics sang of freedom's desire, a spirit of change, a nation's soul on fire. The people cried for justice and change, student voices no longer chained. Government forces so oft used violence, but men of morality could not be silenced. Three kings of Camelot shared their brother's dream to free their nation from bigotry so vile and mean. John, Bobby, and Martin fought with both word and deed, brave, bold action to plant freedom's new seed. 
The dragon's breath blew hell's damnation. Men of evil would shake a great nation. Kings of Camelot stalked by three fiends, assassins of good knights with godly dreams. The death of these kings would not dim the light, a nation's new direction born from their might. The memories of John Martin and Bobby survive, their quest for their nation's soul yet kept alive. people of immense wealth as somehow leaders, oracles even. A kind of cultural deification of wealth and those who have wealth. We need to shatter this self-delusion that somehow if, as Obama says, we work hard enough and study hard enough, we can be one of them. is the people who created the economic mess that we're in were the best educated people in the country. The issue is not education, the issue is greed. If you're wealthy, you go to Yale and you go to Harvard Business School and you're AWOL from uh, your National Guard unit and you're a cokehead and it doesn't really matter. You don't even really have a job till you're 40 and you become president of the United States. How those small, tight, elite, oligarchic circles perpetuated themselves and promoted mediocrity because many of these people like Bush are very mediocre human beings. with money, they game the system. Now we live in an oligarchic state where we've been rendered utterly powerless. The judiciary, the legislative, the executive branches, all subservient to an oligarchic corporate elite. is owned by an oligarchic corporate elite, which makes sure that any critique of them is never broadcast over the airwaves. When you have that much money, then human beings become disposable. There is a very callous indifference. They're utterly cut off. I mean, the only people they ever meet who are members of the working class are people who work for them. They live in self-encased bubbles. They have no real contact with reality. I mean, they don't even fly on commercial airlines. And yet they have absolute power. Because they're so out of touch, and they are able to retreat into their enclaves, they will extract more and more and more. Half of the country now lives in poverty, including the working poor. They will push and push and push myopically out of ignorance. until something erupts, and that's exactly where we're headed. They have very sophisticated mechanisms of public relations and well-publicized acts of philanthropy to hide their private faces. They have made sure that that ideology is taught in universities across the country. The driving ethos of that ideology is really to justify the hoarding of immense amounts of wealth. 
by a very tiny percentage of the upper ruling class. Those economists whose voices are heard, who get tenure, serve the system. And those who don't serve the system don't have a job. We live in a society where corporations at will loot the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve and are bailed out by the taxpayer. Corporations have become predators. Those who offered a critique of the power elite have been banished or silenced. The airwaves are awash in lies. They very skillfully know how to humanize figures, I mean, even idiots like Donald Trump. We have to begin to puncture the very effective mirages that have been created. Corporations, of course, spend billions of dollars to create these mirages. They own or control the systems of information, as well as the systems of education. If you want to resist, if you want to uh, create change, You can't do it through traditional political parties, you can't do it through the courts, you can't do it through a corporatized media. You have to step outside the system and create popular mechanisms, mass movements that will begin to put pressure in a cruder way on the centers of power. is the only hope we have left. It's all about amassing little monuments to themselves, little empires to themselves. They're just grabbing as much as they can on the way out the door. They are creating systems in terms of exploitation, not only of us, but of the ecosystem. fuel industry or these corporations to determine our relationship to the environment is a form of collective insanity at this point. Making art, making music, 
having good thoughts, being loving. By the end of the day, usually I've reached a point where I feel really good about everything. I feel good about myself, about my ideas and about my actions. Sometimes I wake up and I feel wonderful, full of joy. And one little incident can turn it all around. It can turn on the, on the head of a dime. If someone says the wrong thing to me, I can change. I can change into being full of doubts and fears and not good about things. I have to start the process of, of clearing away the rubble, clearing away the debris, jumping the hurdles, getting through the obstacle course to reach some moment of clarity and love. in a good place again but it is a process I'm not some sage I'm like sage and onions All their pros and the flaws And find that you and them ain't that different at all In high school, all the nerds walking tall And all the wimpy kids grow a pair of balls Or where we even all the loners get involved Where everything goes against Murphy's laws Racism that was something in the past And hate that's just something that was buried in the trash A place where character can outweigh the class And pain is just something made of glass As I stare out of my own window pane And I think about God's tears turning into rain So we can wash away the ugly and the bad Leave happy, do away with the sad If you don't like my views of life, then you can leave it out I'm just trying to get these people something they can dream about And right now, it's hard just to dream And all they can change as my new the game I promise y'all we can see some brighter days If you want to do this time, see life my way They say a dream like this won't last But I ain't giving up, I want another chance Pass like step by step, day by day I'm trying to see life my way in the stillers, karma's coming for you. Don't underestimate the things karma can do. People ruthless will steal blood from other nations' crotch. I go and try to ride by the time for his watch while I watch. World crumble from what it used to be. Watch the ozone layer bleed, make puddles from the sea. Ain't no part of me, and I can't lie and say it is, bitch. Turn forest down and replace it with a business. They tell us mind our business, but this world is mine too. Land of the free, well, I guess we would lie to. It's nothing new, I'm just here to remind you. They can make dance music, I'ma make mine fool. Right now, it's hard just to dream and all they can change. As Martin Luther 
promise y'all we can see some brighter days If you wanna take this time to see life my way They say dreams like this won't last But I ain't giving up, I want another chance Pass like step by step, day by day I'ma try to get the to see life my way the hardest way to finish is to restart And the hardest way to think is to outsmart Usually the outsmarted are the cold-hearted Cause you always hate what you don't understand And try to flip it and criticize another man Right then, that's the birth of the haters And my mama gave birth to a skater No board, but plenty of the willpower Stand tall, my ego copies the skill tower Hustle music, lead the Johnson's to deal powder Cause they selling it to babies now anyway And they the future, but we only living for the day Fuck love, niggas only living for the pay Why does Money affect us in such a major way After clouds pass away, it's a sunny day That's all I gotta say Hey ladies and gentlemen This is Sane Clinton I just wanted to drop in real quick And say thank you for listening to this show Whether you listen through iTunes Stitcher Spotify Tune in, Google Plus, Player FM, or any other way. I just want to say thank you. Yeah. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. This is the 37th time I have spoken to you from this office where so many decisions have been made that shape the history of this nation. Each time I have done so to discuss with you some matter that I believe affected the national interest. In all the decisions I have made in my public life, I have always tried to do what was best for the nation. Throughout the long and difficult period of Watergate, I have felt it was my duty to persevere, to make every possible effort to complete the term of office to which you elected me. In the past few days, however, it has become evident to me that I no longer have a strong enough political base in the Congress to justify continuing that effort. As long as there was such a base, I felt strongly that it was necessary to see the constitutional process through to its conclusion. That to do otherwise would be unfaithful to the spirit of that deliberately difficult process and a dangerously destabilizing precedent for the future. But with the disappearance of that base, I now believe that the constitutional purpose has been served and there is no longer a need for the process to be prolonged. I would have preferred to carry through to the finish whatever the personal agony it would have involved. And my family unanimously urged me to do so.
But the interests of the nation must always come before any personal considerations. From the discussions I have had with congressional and other leaders, I have concluded that because of the Watergate matter, I might not have the support of the Congress that I would consider necessary to back the very difficult decisions and carry out the duties of this office in the way the interests of the nation will require. I have never been a quitter. To leave office before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. America needs a full-time president and a full-time Congress, particularly at this time with problems we face at home and abroad to continue to fight through the months ahead for my personal vindication would almost totally absorb the time and attention of both the President and the Congress in a period when our entire focus should be on the great issues of peace abroad and prosperity without inflation at home. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president at that hour in this office. As I recall the high hopes for America with which we began this second term, I feel a great sadness that I will not be here in this office working on your behalf to achieve those hopes in the next two and a half years. But in turning over direction of the government to Vice President Ford, I know, as I told the nation when I nominated him for that office 10 months ago, that the leadership of America will be in good hands. In passing this office to the Vice President, I also do so with a profound sense of the weight of responsibility that will fall on his shoulders tomorrow and therefore of the understanding, the patience, the cooperation. By taking this action, I hope that I will have hastened the start of that process of healing which is so desperately needed in America. I regret deeply any injuries that may have been done in the course of the events that led to this decision. I would say only that if some of my judgments were wrong, and some were wrong, they were made in what I believed at the time to be the best interest of the nation. To those who have stood with me during these past difficult months, to my family, my friends, to many others who joined in supporting my cause because they believed it was right, I will be eternally grateful for your support. And to those who have not felt able to give me your support, let me say I leave with no bitterness toward those who have opposed me. Because all of us in the final analysis have been concerned with the good of the country, however our judgments my differ. So let us all now join together in affirming that common commitment and in helping our new president succeed for the benefit of all Americans. I shall leave this office with regret at not completing my term, but with gratitude for the privilege of serving as your president for the past five and a half years. These years have been a momentous time in the history of our nation and the world. They have been a time of achievement in which we can all be proud. Achievements that represent the shared efforts of the administration, the Congress, and the people. But the challenge we prevented future wars. We have unlocked the doors that for a quarter of a century stood between the United States and the People's Republic of China. We must now ensure that the one quarter of the world's people who live 
in the People's Republic of China will be and remain not our enemies, but our friends. In the Middle East, 100 million people in the Arab countries, many of whom have considered us their enemy for nearly 20 years, now look on us as their friends. We must continue to build on that friendship so that peace can settle at last over the Middle East and so that the cradle of civilization will not become its grave. Together with the Soviet Union, we have made the crucial breakthroughs that have begun the process of limiting nuclear arms. But we must set as our goal not just limiting, but reducing and finally destroying these terrible weapons so that they cannot destroy civilization and so that the threat of nuclear war will no longer hang over the world and the people. We have opened the new relation with the Soviet Union. We must continue to develop and expand that new relationship so that the two strongest nations of the world will live together in cooperation rather than confrontation. Around the world, in Asia, in Africa, in Latin America, in the Middle East, there are millions of people who live in terrible poverty, even starvation. We must keep as our goal turning away from production for war and expanding production for peace so that people everywhere on this earth can at last look forward in their children's time, if not in our own time, to having the necessities for a decent life. Here in America, we are fortunate that most of our people have not only the blessings of liberty, but also the means to live full and good and by the world's standards, even abundant lives. We must press on, however, toward a goal not only of more and better jobs, but a full opportunity for every American. And of what we are striving so hard right now to achieve, prosperity without inflation. For more than a quarter of a century in public life, I have shared in the turbulent history of this era. I have fought for what I believed in. I have tried to the best of my ability to discharge those duties and meet those responsibilities that were entrusted to me. Sometimes I have succeeded and sometimes I have failed. But always I have taken heart from what Theodore Roosevelt once said about the man in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because there is not effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deed, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumphs of high achievements and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. I pledge to you tonight that as long as I have a breath of life in my body, I shall continue in that spirit. I shall continue to work for the great causes to which I have been dedicated throughout my years as a congressman, a senator, vice president, and president. The cause of peace, not just for America, but among all nations. Prosperity, justice, and opportunity for all of our people. There is one cause, above all, to which I have been devoted and to which I shall always be devoted for as long as I live.
When I first took the oath of office as president five and a half years ago, I made this sacred commitment to consecrate my office, my energies, and all the wisdom I can summon to the cause of peace among nations. I've done my very best in all the days since to be true to that pledge. As a result of these efforts, I am confident that the world is a safer place today, not only for the people of America, but for the people of all nations. And that all of our children have a better chance than before of living in peace rather than dying in war. This, more than anything, is what I hoped to achieve when I sought the presidency. This, more than anything, is what I hope will be my legacy to you, to our country, as I leave the presidency. To have served in this office is to have felt a very personal sense of kinship with each and every American. In leaving it, I do so with this prayer. May God's grace be with you in all the days ahead. Fathers of Freedom in 76 formed a new Congress a nation to fix. Taxation, oppression, unjust British might, the colonial colonies were ready to fight. John Adams, president after Washington's time, diplomat, lawyer, Bostonian mind. Ben Franklin, author, printer, scientist true, Pennsylvania statesman and inventor too. Adams and Franklin, Hamilton and Jay, Jefferson, Washington, even more to say. Hancock and Morris, Witherspoon too, Madison, Rodney, even more crew. From New York, New Jersey, and Delaware State, Rhode Island and Maryland, their numbers were great. A continental congress with vision, hope, and dreams, standing tall against oppressive British means. Men of conviction, men of heart, the battle for freedom soon would start. Thirteen colonies united in cause, a colonial army that took no pause. King George would send his best brigadiers, but George Washington's boys would show no fear. Minutemen muskets crackle till dawn, through forest and glade, till the enemy be gone. Concord, Lexington, and Bunker Hill, the fight for liberty became a test of will. Thirteen colonies with one grand desire, end English tyranny, end English fire. The battle won, a new nation born, a continental congress had been formed. Philadelphia, where fathers of freedom meet, the Liberty Bell, liberty's ring so sweet. Independence declared, a declaration signed, equality, happiness, human rights defined. A new president named, George Washington's time, the United States is real, not just in the mind. A new nation forged from sweat and tears, an anvil of strength through all the years. Nations abroad would learn from this fight, tyranny and oppression can never be right. So celebrate well this July 4th day. Let fireworks and happiness light your way. Remember the fathers of freedom today. Their sacrifice and courage paved our way. Beirut, under destruction. Obviously, two sides in this conflict and both sides need to be talked. Given the choice, they would rather kill each other than any of us. The ultimate infantryman. A thoughtless, brutal animal.
Israeli government and make sure that there's people to say. At least five
These mighty children of labor are bringing back the poor people's campaign, looking to community gardens and organizing to maintain. The Supreme Court gave corporations unimaginable rights. So now, the people have to fight. They'll occupy Wall Street, Chicago, Boston, Seattle, and St. Louis, and many more. Listen, learn, care, understand, witness. The people's voices will be heard. Listen, learn, care, understand. Listen, learn, care, understand. The people's voices will be heard out loud, not silent. The people's voices will be heard without gates, elections, or propaganda. Their words will be harvested. Freshly demanded democracy, pure drinking water for famished tongues. There are new regimes raging against the machine of wars, weapons, and corporations. Wars, weapons, and corporations. These people are human, are alive, are aware, are civil. You stole their jobs, their justice, their dreams. No veto will get in the way of their hope. No law you pass can take away their rights for cleaner air. It is not arms they bear, but solutions to the problem. These mighty children of labor are bringing back the poor people's campaign, looking to community gardens and organizing to maintain. The Supreme Court gave corporations unimaginable rights. So now, what does Bain do? Bain's primary business is acquiring companies. It's a group of outside investors who put their money together. Well, I knew you had this business here, David. Buy a company. Investing in the companies, making them more efficient. Now the guy's got Paulie's apartment. Any problems, he goes to Paulie. Trouble with the bill, he can go to Paulie. Trouble with the cops, deliveries, Tommy, he can call Paulie. They buy profitable businesses. These are businesses that borrow money to finance their, their takeovers. But now the guy's got to come up with Paulie's money every week, no matter what. Business bad? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you, pay me. Place got hit by lightning, huh? Fuck you, pay me. Vulture capitalism and profiting from worker layoffs. Take over a company, squeeze it, load it with debt, fire people, make millions, and then yeah, be done with it. It's a bust out. You get in debt to them, and when you can't pay them, they become your partners, and then they just they fucking eat through everything like fucking termites. You're not the first guy to get busted out. This is how a guy like me makes a living. This is my bread and butter. Some of those companies were struggling, and some of them uh, couldn't be saved. Uh, that's the nature of our free enterprise. It's my nature. Frog and the scorpion, you know? Also, Paulie could do anything, especially run up bills on the joint's credit. And why not? Nobody's gonna pay for it anyway. And as soon as the deliveries are made in the front door, you move the stuff out the back and sell it at a discount. Invest in startups and troubled businesses. Apply Bain's brand of management advice. Just ship them. I'll worry about selling them. Bread. Fuck blue. Bread sells. Bain turned a profit by strip mining these companies. The firms that come under the control tend to have unusually large amounts of job loss. And then finally, there's nothing left. Fucking shame. You can't borrow another buck from the bank or buy another case of booze. You bust the joint out. The company ultimately folded, uh, but Bain investors still made out very richly in that deal. They cut our wages, they cut our benefits, they took our retirement package. How much did you lose? Everything, everything. Christ's sake, Vic, everything. The savings, the business, everything. Mitt Romney and his buddies took $100 million out of the company and let it go bankrupt. I have to go chapter 11, and then the liquidators will come in and they'll pick through the boat. This factory went bankrupt. 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 After Romney's firm seized control of it. That's exactly what I said. Those companies needed to go through bankruptcy to shed those costs. What's the end? The end. Planned bankruptcy. What's the end? The end. It's planned bankruptcy. What's the end? The end. It's planned bankruptcy. What's the end? The end. It's planned bankruptcy.
Zane Quentin. And we've come to the end of Think It Ain't Illegal Yeah. We'll be back soon with a new episode. And hopefully this episode has made you think and want to make a difference in this world. Now I'm going to turn on for the love of poetry and spoken word and think. Get to Old Navy now, because this week only, there's a new red-hot deal every single day. Plus, up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also, get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19, select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Get to Old Navy now, because this week only, there's a new red-hot deal every single day. Plus, up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also, get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19, select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry.